You're listening to the Miscarriage Doula Podcast. I'm your host, Arden Cartret. This space is meant to be a tool for you to feel less alone and to learn more about how to get through what you've been through and what you're probably going through. We'll hear diverse stories from women and men in the online space, experts, and people just like you and me who are feeling the effects of miscarriage and loss in real time. This is the Miscarriage Doula Podcast. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Miscarriage Doula Podcast. I'm your host, Arden Cartret. I'm really excited for today's episode. It is with Allie Prato, who is the co-founder of Fertility Rally with another good friend of mine, um, Blair Nelson, who is at Fab Fertility on Instagram. We talk about how they founded Fertility Rally, what is Fertility Rally, and then we also talk about Allie's story with miscarriage, which is what led her to the infertility community online, and she started a podcast called Infertile AF, which is an awesome name for a podcast, and I just genuinely loved this conversation. I was really excited to sit down and talk with Allie because we had DM'd back and forth on Instagram and connected a few times over, you know, being in the same community, but I really loved just talking to her, hearing what she's been through, hearing, you know, what drives her with Fertility Rally and Infertile AF, and it really just, um, what's that saying where it's like it put something in stone, like it, it made it more permanent, that she's just such a, a kind and funny person. We also really bonded over ghost stories and murder and true crime and stuff which is so funny that in the infertility community when we are so sensitive to these real life things and then we love true crime um and I don't even know if another guest and I have talked as much about true crime as Allie and I have so I hope that you enjoy that little break from miscarriage talk and enjoy hearing um I think we tell a couple of ghost stories in this episode. If I remember, I hope I didn't cut them out. If I did, I promise I will put them back in. Um, it's just such a great episode, and I'm really excited for you guys to hear it. Before I play the episode, I just want to let you guys know that the replay of the Recurrent Pregnancy Loss webinar that I held last weekend is now available. It is marked down to $15. It includes a lot. It includes an hour-long webinar that includes a live Q&A. You have a workbook that is, it goes hand-in-hand with the presentation. It also, like, takes the presentation further, so it provides more information. I also give you access to a couple of other downloads. It's a really great bundle. It has gotten a lot of love, and so I I'm so glad that other people have found it helpful. You can go to the miscarriagedoula.co and purchase the webinar there. I will also put a link in the show description. All right, let's get into the episode. This is my conversation with Allie. Um, okay, so I would love to like dive into your experience with miscarriage. Um, I know on your podcast, and I your note did not show up on my intake form until... A few hours ago, um, because I've been backlogging some of your episodes, but I haven't gone all the way to the beginning. Um, 
I actually, I don't know if it was your podcast or Blair's where you guys told the story of Fertility Rally. And I really enjoyed hearing that story just because I had no idea. I think I found you both after Fertility Rally started. So that was really cool to hear. Yeah, we met. Yeah, we we've never been in the same room together, which is so funny. Um, But yeah, we met when I think it was on both of our podcasts. I think we did a little bonus episode and then we both put it Mm -hmm. on both of our shows. So um, yeah. But yeah, we met when she wrote me an email um, after I had launched my podcast and was just like, I want to tell my story. I'm going through it right now. And she was like, my husband and I have been through a shit ton of stuff and or a fuck ton of stuff. And I was like, oh, I like this girl immediately. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I wrote her back and we just started talking and then she was on my podcast and then she launched hers a couple months after that. And then I was a guest on her show. And then we just kept in touch at one point exchange numbers. We were trying to remember why we did that. And I think we did like an Instagram, Instagram swap or something. So we had each other's phone numbers and then we just started texting and, you know, like it just evolved into, we should do an event together. And originally fertility rally was supposed to be a live event. And which is and crazy that didn't happen. We had to pivot to virtual, but I think it all kind of worked out how it was supposed to, at least for now. And hopefully we'll, I've been dreaming about live events. Like hopefully we'll get to go back to that sooner than later. Yeah, for sure. I didn't know until I listened to that episode that it was originally supposed to be like an in-person event. And I was like that, like, I feel like a virtual event is hard to pull off, but like an in-person event, I can't even begin to wrap my head around it. I know. I don't know what we were thinking. Like it was like (laughs) planning a wedding. It was like we were getting married, but we'd never met. It was like an arranged marriage or something. That is so Um, funny. In Brooklyn, and I'm in Brooklyn, and she's in Austin. So she was like going to fly in for it. And like, it was going to be, I don't know if we would have pulled it off. I mean, I'm sure we would have, but it would have been a lot more. Like the virtual event was much better. It would have been better than a fire festival, like what that turned into. It It would would not have been similar to fire (laughs) festival. (laughs) We would have been serving like one piece of American cheese to people on a plate or whatever. (laughs) That is so funny. Um, I also, so I read in the note and I need to listen to your full story. And so now I'm embarrassed that I didn't do that before, but I listened to bits and pieces um, through other shows and stuff. Um, No worries. But I love you. You wrote a note about how it almost broke you and your husband. And so this is something that I feel like I don't feel like it's talked about a lot is the toll it really makes on a relationship because you see people say like, so-and-so is my rock. I wouldn't have been able to get through this without him. And, and you see comments like that and where you're just like, but it was really hard. (laughs) Like there are moments where I didn't feel like he was my rock or, you know, um, I think that people kind of romanticize their relationships. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm going through something. Some people, maybe that's true. You know, maybe it does bring people together for us. And, you know, I can get into this more, but you know, we literally almost got divorced. Like it was like, I hated him. Like we were, I was so angry with him and it took a long time even afterwards to kind of get back to where we are now. So it was hard. I think that was one of the hardest parts of the whole infertility journey was my, what the toll it took in my marriage for sure. I felt like, um, and we, I, I know whenever I talk to people that I've talked to like on Instagram, I, we go all over the place before even getting started, but, um, yeah, we re- we're, I, I know we're recording, is this going to be part of the show or no? 
Um, maybe, maybe not. Fine. Yeah. Whatever you need. Maybe, maybe not. I'm super <laughs> informal and sometimes I'll yeah, just leave I it like, in. I like just diving right in. So whatever. Um, with my miscarriage journey, I felt like it did bring my husband and I closer and it wasn't until like entering parenthood with our rainbow that it actually started to tear us apart because we then started to see our grief so differently because I was still grieving. And for him, it was like completely healed. That's so interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's whenever I feel like for me, it really switched to where our first year of parenthood in a pandemic of a baby after miscarriage, like it just, it was a lot. It's, and nobody really prepares you for the toll that welcoming a child into the world. You know, you think that the hard part's getting pregnant. (laughs) Right. I think that there's so much beyond it. And that's what we're exploring at Fertility Rally too, is like, we don't want the support to end you know, when people get those two pink lines, because we, now we have pregnancy after infertility groups, and we're going to start doing a motherhood after infertility group. Um, you know, it's just, I think that the trauma, as you well know, it's doesn't go away sometimes ever. So, you know, yeah. there's def- definitely support that's needed, but. Okay. So let's get into your first pregnancy. When yeah. was the first time you found out you were pregnant? What was it like? What was going through? your mind. Walk me through that day. Okay. So I did have secondary infertility. So my first pregnancy, um, was with my daughter who is now 11 and she's like a grown woman. I feel like at this (laughs) point, um, so I didn't have any issues getting pregnant with her. Thankfully she, um, my husband and I, we've been together since high school. We were like high school sweethearts. We started dating when we were 16 years old, he had braces on his teeth when we got together, which is like gives you a sense of how long it's been. Um, but we moved. So we grew up in Chicago. Um, you know, we got married when we were both 27 and, you know, had our careers in Chicago. And then I got transferred for my job. I was working for Playboy magazine at the time, and they moved their headquarters from Chicago to New York. So right about the time that all my friends started having babies, we moved. So like all my friends in Chicago now have kids who are like in high school and like going off to college. Um, and we were like, if we had stayed in Chicago, I think we would have, you know, started to try to have kids right then as well. Cause we always knew that we wanted to, but this big move came. I was like, it was like the eve of my 29th birthday, we moved to New York and we didn't know anybody. So um, this is all leading somewhere. I promise. But we were like, we can't have a baby like we know we're like the age that we're supposed to start to try, but we don't even know how to like use the subway. Like I didn't even know how to get around New York, you know? So I'm like, we can't, we don't have any friends. Like we don't, we have to like kind of start from scratch building our lives. So all of that to say that the, that's the reason we didn't start to try to have kids till I was 34. Um, so, you know, we had to settle into New York and figure out our lives here and all that stuff. So then around like 33, I think I was like, we were like, all right, we got to, you know, really start thinking about this. But of course it was like, but somebody's has a wedding or we want to go on this trip and, you know, you putting it off, putting it off. And then finally at 34, we started to try and I got pretty lucky. Um, I think we tried for just a couple of months before I did get pregnant with my daughter. So I didn't think anything of it, you know, even though I was pregnant at 34 and I was 35 when I gave birth to her, Um, I did not know anything about fertility or infertility. And I've said this many, many times before, and I'm not exaggerating. I didn't even know, I'd never heard of secondary infertility. 
I didn't know anything about eggs or, you know, like the basics, of course, but I didn't know that your egg reserve, you know, plummeted at a certain age. And, you know, because part, part of the thing was that, you know, I was in the celebrity like journalism world. So I was like always reading and writing about like Halle Berry getting pregnant at 46 and maybe she used, you know, ART, but she never discussed it, you know? So it was like, it didn't seem like in pop culture where I was like very immersed in at the time, um, it, people were having problems having babies later. So I just, I really, and I'm, I'm not blaming that, but that's one of the factors that just contributed to my, to my cluelessness. I really had no idea that it was going to be harder as I got older. So um, anyway, my pregnancy went fine. I did have something called placenta previa, which I'm sure you know what that is, right? Um, yeah, that's super dangerous. Well, I didn't, again, <laughs> I didn't <laughs> it so dangerous. Um, basically my OB was like, you know, you have placenta previa. So that means you'll have to have a C-section. And I was like, okay. And then I was like, well, what, tell me what's going on. And she said, your um, placenta is blocking your cervix. So when it comes time to give birth, if you were to give birth naturally, there'd be nowhere for the baby to go. Like there's nowhere for the baby to come out. So we have to do a C-section. And I was like, oh, okay. And she never said like, this could be life-threatening. They really kind of under like downplayed it, which I guess was good because I didn't, I wasn't super stressed out about it. I wasn't stressed that I was going to have to have a C-section. I was like, that's fine. I know plenty of people who've had them and no big deal. Um, Although I do remember asking my doctor at one point, like what would happen like before like Caesar or whatever, like before C-sections were invented. And she was like, oh, both mother and baby would die. And I was like, oh, Oh. (laughs) (laughs) okay. So I guess this is kind of a big deal. Thank God for C-sections. So um, also my daughter was breech and not, again, not that that played into the C-section, but they were like, with these two things combined, let's do a planned C-section. So I did have her, she was healthy. Everything was great. Um, We didn't start to try for our second kid until I was like 38. Um, I love how relaxed you guys were about it, even though you were together for so long beforehand. But I like, I think part of it too, Arden is like, I always feel like I'm 16 at heart. Like (laughs) I don't, I didn't feel old. Like it didn't seem old to me, you know, and part, partly too, like being in New York, I think people have kids later here. I see a lot, I'd see a lot of like late thirties, early forties moms with like newborns and infants all around town. And I was like, okay, this is just different generation. This is how we do it. Um, so when we started to try for my son, that was when I realized like, oh, okay, this was probably not the best idea to wait so long because I had four miscarriages, like back to back to back to back. Um, and I can get into those a little bit more, like if you want me to, but basically it was the first one, um, that I had, I wasn't, they were all pretty, pretty early on. I don't remember the specific weeks that I was, but I remember the first one, I was probably like, maybe like eight or nine weeks. And we had gone away for a family trip. It was Thanksgiving and we had gone on like a bike ride. And um, I remember coming back and I was like newly pregnant and so excited and started bleeding when we got back. And of course I was like, oh my God, I shouldn't have gone on that bike ride. I just like had a miscarriage because we went over all these bumps. <laughs> right. Have you heard people like say stuff like that to you before? Like, 
Yeah. I've also thought those things. Like I think that doing this and hearing so many people have those same thoughts has normalized it for me. And I think that us talking about it will normalize it for others because I didn't, um, I didn't walk in my rainbow pregnancy because I thought that going for a walk caused my first miscarriage. So I refused yeah. to exercise in my, in my actual like full-term right. pregnancy for that reason. Right. Completely, completely. Um, so yeah, I remember, you know, th- starting to bleed and thinking, oh God, I think I'm having a miscarriage and I was super sad. And, um, but you know, with the first miscarriage, and I think this is pretty common, at least from people that I've talked to is it's kind of like, yes, it's devastating, but so many people have them. And it almost seemed to me like a rite of passage to a weird, in like a weird way. Like I was like, okay, I know I can name 20 people off the top of my head that have had miscarriages who are close friends or family members of mine. So like, it just, this is how it is. It just happens sometimes. So I, again, I didn't think infertility was coming into play. I had never again, heard of recurrent pregnancy loss. Your listeners are going to be like, this chick is a dumbass. Like she doesn't know anything. No, I, I was the same way. And I will one up you there. That way you don't feel like a dumbass. I didn't even know that you had to ovulate to get pregnant. Like I did not know that there was a window of time yeah. that you had to have sex to get pregnant. I just thought you did it. And then like a few days later, you could take a pregnancy test. I was a dumbass. <laughs> because don't you think that part of it is like the sex education or lack thereof? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. we were never taught that. We were taught never. If you have sex without using protection, you will get pregnant. Yeah. And or, or get an STD and right. then maybe die. Like <laughs> and a total tramp. it was like it was never normalized like it was just basically they told you to be abstinent until you were ready to make a baby like that's I I mean insane it's insane um and I'm like pissed off about that too actually it's like I can't believe that that's the education that we got you know like totally but that education is also why doctors tell us that miscarriage is like a heavy period like they're just so vague in women's reproductive health completely that we are shielding like right. even medical professionals that need to know what miscarriage is actually like. Right. And yeah. it's just drives me nuts. I know completely. Um, so yeah, anyway, I um, did have, end up having a miscarriage when we got back to Brooklyn, you know, I called my doctor and they said, yeah, it sounds like a miscarriage. Um see what happens. And I just kind of let it pass naturally. I didn't have to go in and get a DNC and I didn't have to take methyltrexate or any of the drugs. There's another one, isn't there? Methyltrexate. Or it's, um, it's a misoprotol. I say it wrong. So I'm sure people are yelling at their cars or something, but it's something. Yeah. It's Cytotec is the brand name. I I can say that one correctly. Yes. (laughs) Um, So yeah, that was just, you know, a a loss and it was devastating. And, you know, my husband was, was wonderful about it and, you know, we'll try again. And so we did um, a couple months later and I got pregnant again. Again, it was an early, um, you know, started bleeding again, you know, a couple months into it. And then that time was a blighted ovum. Um, which I still don't really know how to explain. You might be able to explain it better than me because you're a doula and you know all these terms, but it's it's hard to explain because it's, yeah, it's basically that if you like look it up, it says that an embryo didn't form, but that 
I don't like that explanation because I feel like it invalidates the pregnancy completely. So the way I like to word it is just that the baby didn't have a heartbeat. Like the, the heart never formed to have cardiac activity. Um, so the baby still yeah. existed because you could still get like genetic testing of a blighted ovum pregnancy and find out the gender. So mm-hmm. like, it's a baby. It's just, mm-hmm. I, I hate the language. Ugh. Well, I remember they thought maybe I was having an ectopic cause they're like, your numbers are high. You're definitely pregnant. Um, but we can't find anything. So it might be ectopic. And I, again, I remember them being very nonchalant about it, but I had a friend who had an ectopic and was very like nearly died. Like she had a very severe, one. And I remember thinking, well, I hope it's not ectopic. How come everybody's like being so nonchalant about this? Um, anyway, it turned out not to be thankfully, but, um, so that was the second one. And then my third one, another term I don't love was a chemical pregnancy. Mm. So (laughs) your face, (laughs) I hate, I hate, I've never had one, a chemical pregnancy. I'm putting all these quotations because I I hate the word so much. Um, but I, I hate, I hate it as if I've gone through it multiple times and like, I'm just angry about it, but like, I just, I just hate the term. I know because again, I think it makes it, it's very inhumane. Like it's Mm -hmm. makes it seem like it wasn't a baby, but to me, all four of my losses were babies were four babies. I'd never think of them. I've never been one of those persons that was like, well, but I wasn't that far along. So no big deal. Like it was devastating to me every time. Um, and you know, I had a fourth one. So at that point, um, you know, I was talking to some friends and, you know, I think there's something going on. And I finally got a recommendation to go see an RE, um, which was Dr. Joshua Klein, who ended up being my doctor who I worked with. Um, and he was great. Um, you know, I went in and he was at, at this time, I think I was 39 and, um, he was like, you know, he explained all the things I wish I would have known. Like when you're 35, you know, your egg quality really kind of takes a dive. And he, I remember him drawing on a piece of paper and showing me all these charts and things, but he was, he did like a sonogram or ultrasound and said, you know, the good news is you've got a lot of eggs. You have a really big egg reserve. You just don't have good quality eggs. Um, so he said, you're actually the perfect candidate for IVF because if we can find you know, one of these quality eggs, then you should be fine. And, you know, they tested Vince, my husband's sperm, and he didn't have anything going on on his side. So um, that would have been great had my husband at that point wanted to move forward with the IVF, but we can get into like the emotional, you know, relationship side of all of this, if you want, because that was, this is where it got really, really like all of the miscarriages were devastating. And of course I was, you know, going through all the feels of feeling like my body wasn't working and being mad at my body. And I started to feel kind of crazy because I was so laser focused on having a baby. And I think one of the hardest things to explain to people about secondary infertility is that it doesn't mean that you're not grateful for the baby that you already have. And it doesn't mean that you're being greedy because you want another one. But I think that sometimes that's the perception is like, people are like, why are you putting yourself through this? Like you have a kid, be happy with what you have, or like, don't press your luck or something like that. And I think that what I would try to explain to people was like, I wish I didn't want this so badly. 
but I can't deny my gut and my heart. And like, I wanted another baby so badly that I would have done anything. And I did try any, like anything, (laughs) Um, you know, if they were like, you need to get a overripe banana and eat it at 4.13 a.m. standing on one foot in the middle of the subway tracks, I would have been like, fuck yeah, let's do it. (laughs) Like I would have done that. Um, I went through a stage where I, I feel like anything on a forum, I was like, okay, I'll buy it. I'll do whatever. Yeah. I mean, I drank all the woo woo elixirs. I like did all Mm -hmm. the acupuncture and, you know, chiropractor, like anything that had to do with Western or Eastern and all the supplements, you know, I remembered bee pollen and drinking these smoothies and choking (laughs) down these like herbs. I went to Chinatown and got this special blend of herbs and you know, so I was trying everything. Um, I was never like in better shape. Like I was working out, like not like a crazy amount, but like, just like, so getting so fit. Cause I was like, if I can't control what's happening, like on pregnancy wise, I can at least get in like as good of health, you know, as, as I can. Um, so anyway, I, uh, you know, my, my husband was kind of of the camp where he was like, I get it. I want another kid too, but I don't want it so badly that I want to keep pushing, putting ourselves through this. Cause I was like emotionally distraught. Um, and that was where we like, he and I just were not seeing eye to eye. And I was so, and I've talked about this before, actually the hundredth episode of my podcast, I had him on as my guest and we talked about what we went through from his point of view. We had to have a lot of drinks before we did it. (laughs) Um, But it was like, we need to talk about this because we, you know, even though we were going through it together, he had a completely different situation than I did. He had a completely different experience than I did, which I thought was interesting. Um, But to him, it was like, he saw me in so much pain emotionally and I was super depressed. And um, he was just like, stop. we don't have to do this. Let's be happy with our daughter. And I was like, mad. Like, I was like, I can't stop. I wish I I get it. I'm ruining our marriage. Like I'm laser focused on this. The sex has never been worse. You know, we're fighting all the time. Like I'm a basket case. You like I'm hormonal. Um, I was like, I wish that I didn't want this, but I, I can't not want it. And that was really, really that was like one of the lowest points where it was just like, we were like, I remember we were driving out to a friend's house and I was like, well, you know, I went and saw this doctor. He didn't go with me to the consultation. And um, I was like, he says I'm the perfect candidate for IVF. And he's like, how much does that cost? And I remember being like, really? You want to put a number on our future child, like a dollar sign on our future child's life? Like, I thought that was so insensitive and I totally get it now. And I get it. I got it even then too. But, you know, to him, it was like, it's not a guarantee. It's not like we're like swimming in money. You know, we actually ended up having to borrow money to do IVF from our, both of our parents um, or not even borrow. They gave it to us. We never paid it back. Um, but they, you know, to him, it was just like, I, well, this is wreaking havoc on, on us. And we had lost us as partners and he just wanted it to stop. And I get that now, but at the time I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? You know, like <laughs> so angry with him. Um, so 
Well, you also probably, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, because this is how I felt. I felt like I was the person going through it. So if I wanted to take the risk, like the least my partner could do would be supportive because the hardest thing they have to do is watch me go through it. Mm-hmm. And that's harder than going through it. And so mm-hmm. that's where we butt heads a lot um, mm-hmm. in thinking about our future because I saw it as if I want to go forward with it, it's my body I'm putting through it. He just has to support me through it, mm-hmm. even though. I know that it takes two to tango there, but like, yeah, I don't know. That's, I, that's the part that I struggled with. I think with not seeing eye to eye, because I was yeah. like, why can't you just see it this way and go with it this way? Because all you have to do is, all you have to do is like touch yourself in a cup. <laughs> right. Like I'm spread eagle in front of doctors all day right. long. Going to get all I'm, the shots every morning and all the monitor. Yeah. Yeah, all all to at the end like birth something out of my body one way or another. Like right. the least you could do is just be supportive of how right. I want to do this. And so that's kind of like I'm on your viewpoint. And and you know, I do see like how thinking about money or thinking about like how much strain it puts on your relationship does play a part. But now that I have Cameron, I also see loving a child so much and wanting them to be a sibling and wanting to see them be a big brother or sister, like I didn't understand that before because I didn't experience parenthood of an earthside child. And if I couldn't give Cameron a sibling, like even now, as we think about trying to conceive again, and if we have more miscarriages, like the thought of him being an only child forever will send me spiraling. Mm -hmm. Well, that's part of it too, is that Vince is an only child. So he is, and his, both of his parents are as well. So he doesn't come from, a big family and I do. So for him, you know, and he talks about this when we had our, our conversation, um, you know, he, he was like, I don't get it. I don't get that big family dynamic. Like I don't crave it. And, you know, he was just being honest and he was like, again, it's hard to, it's hard to explain. It's like, it's not like he didn't want to have another baby. And once we finally did spoiler alert, um, he was thrilled and loves our son so much, you know, so it's, um, you know, it's like, I think it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to explain to people. Like he just didn't want to go through what we were going through. Cause it was hell. It was complete hell. And it was my fault. Cause I was the one that would kept pressing forward. And, um, you know, the money was obviously a big factor too, but I remember I was just really, really mad at him because I was like, now you're going to be another obstacle you know, like if nothing else, you could at least step back and like not be another thing in my way. You know, it was like my eggs were a problem, you know, whatever else was happening in my body was a problem, but then my husband was a problem too. And that pissed me off. And that was like really really hard to contend with. No, Um, I, I totally see what you're saying, but I also, um, uh, whenever we got my husband's semen analysis results, I'm going to quote what my RE said because it's stuck in my head forever. He said, you have the type of report for sperm that you would hang on the fridge. It's A++. And I was like, oh, goody, good for you. So happy that you, nothing is wrong with you. Right. You're perfect. Trophy. Like, yeah. Yeah. Basically, their science going, problem is right here. Oh. Yeah, Totally. And so that's why I see it your way because of that, like, you know, Vince having normal results and then being told it's probably your egg quality. And then it's your body that, you know, is going through miscarriage four times. Like, it's easy to feel like I have so many obstacles. Can you just 
go with whatever I want to do yeah. and shut can up. Not, can you not be another obstacle was basically yeah. what I was thinking. Like, um, sorry, I keep swearing, but I was like, fuck you. Like, why are you doing this to me? Like I saw it as almost like a betrayal. Like I was like, how could you be fighting me so hard on this when you see that it's all that I want? Like, yeah. how could you not be letting me have this, you know? Um, but so what happened was we finally, after many, many, many tears and arguments and financial discussions and all that stuff, cause we didn't have insurance coverage for any, everything was out of pocket. Um, we finally agreed um, that we would do one round of IVF. And I had also been seeing a therapist like in tandem with all this RE stuff. Cause I was like, I'm going crazy. <laughs> like I'm feeling, I was feeling really insecure too around my friends and family. Cause I felt like I was like, everybody was starting to think that this was all I was talking about. And, you know, like I remember one of my friends who I won't name, but got kind of drunk one night at a party and was like, Oh my God, you're obsessed with having a baby. And it like, they were trying to be funny, but it really hurt my feelings. Like I was like, Oh, so I started feeling really insecure and like, you know, that's part of the reason we formed fertility rallies. Cause I, I need, I w- wish I would have had a community of people that got it, that were going through what I was going through when I was going through it, but I didn't. Um, so anyway, Vince and I agreed let's do one round. Cause my therapist had also kind of gotten me to the place where I was, she was like, you know, I want you to be happy if you guys are a family of three, like, I want you to think that that's okay. So we like worked on that a lot. And I was getting to the point where I was like, okay, you're right. Yeah. If we're a a family of three and we did, you know, everything we could, because we did have financial constraints. It wasn't like, I knew I wasn't going to be one of those people that did round after round after round, plus my age, you know, like it just wasn't conducive to that. So, you know, we agreed to do this one round of IVF. I was completely happy with that. And I was feeling like, okay, if it works, amazing, it will be a miracle. And if it doesn't, then we did all that we could, you know, and I'm happy that we finally have some closure. And I think we both felt relieved that we, at least it was like, okay, there's one more thing we're going to do. And then we're done with this chapter and we can move on, you know? Um, So we did, you know, I did agree and do the one round of IVF um, and it was absolutely crazy because we got, I think I got 26 eggs and then it was like, went down to like 19 and then it was 11, like the numbers were pretty good. Um, And then I had five embryos at the end that were going to get tested. Um, so we did the testing and I remember thinking, oh my God. And Vince of course was like, well, how much does that cost? And it was like another $5,000. And I was like, oh my God, we're only doing this once. Can we just do all the things and like all the tests? So we did that thankfully because we got one healthy embryo back. The the other, so four of the five were chromosomally abnormal. Um, I found out later that all four of those were girls. And then the one healthy embryo that we didn't know the gender of, um, was I did a frozen embryo transfer a month later and it worked and I got pregnant and it was insanely, it was, um, to- like, I honestly, st- I get like, I get tongue tied talking about it. Cause it's still so emotional to me that because now, and you know, this Arden, like 
talking to so many people who've done this so many times and gone through so many rounds and it's, it rarely works on the first try. Like it's very rare. Um, and, but thankfully it did. And I got pregnant and we found out in the second trimester, I, I said to my doctor, okay, we, we want to know the gender now. Cause I didn't want to know until it was like, you know, I, I wasn't going to have a miscarriage or at least we hoped. And I, I'll never forget. He sent me an email and it was like, at the time, this is 2000, 2015. It was like when, remember those posters that were like, keep calm and carry on was like a really big thing. Like <laughs> yeah. he sent me an email and it said, keep calm. And it's a boy, which like, <laughs> doesn't make any sense, but I was like, it was so cute. And I, I interviewed him afterwards, like a couple years after I had the baby. And I was like, do you remember sending me that thing? And he's like, no, like, did I spend time making that? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, I must've really liked you. <laughs> like that was like creative. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, yeah. So um, anyway, I did, you know, I had a, a decent pregnancy, thankfully. Again, my son was um, breech. And so they've suggested that I do another scheduled C-section because there was partial pl- placenta previa um, again. And so I had a scheduled C-section and um, I did my transfer in April and he was born December 2015. And yeah, it was a long, long road to get there, but I'm, I'm just so glad. I'm just so thankful that I found, you know, the right doctor and that we did finally come to an agreement to do it. Yeah. Well, and I'm not big on like the whole, everything happens for a reason and the toxic positivity stuff, but you know, whenever you think about like, okay, we're agreeing to one cycle and then you have so many eggs and then it dwindles down to one egg, you transfer that, that becomes, you know, your second child. And that's like, that's when you feel like your family's complete. It's crazy how all of those events go. And like, that's whenever I'm like, I don't think that things like everything happens for a reason, but then I'm like, but it all, no, not at all. But then I think about like, but all of those events led to where you are. And it's such a weird I mean, I, I never know how to explain it in, like a little bit of magic. And I believe in like the universe coming together in certain ways. Yeah. Um, and I do think it's so, so cool how you have to think of all that for every pregnancy or every live birth, live healthy birth um, to think of all the things that have to go right. It's, it's it, insane. It's so many things. And I didn't realize what a miracle life was until yeah. I started trying to make a baby. Like, I know. Yeah. Like what a blessing a pregnancy is Completely. because so many things have to come together for that baby to even be healthy. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Like I know somebody who did not know they were pregnant until they gave birth at 39 weeks, didn't take <laughs> a single prenatal vitamin, didn't even have a car seat and their baby is like three years old and totally healthy. Oh my God. I know you hear those stories where it's like they went in for with like stomach cramps and had twins. <laughs> Like what the fuck? Um, yeah, so it's wild. I mean, it's. Do you feel like you now like so much more appreciate being a mom and like and having a healthy pregnancy? Like after going through what you went through. Totally, and um, I've said this, or I think I've written this um, 
places, but I never really felt called to be a mom. Like I didn't really have a maternal bone in my body. Mm -hmm. I was really bad at baby talk, like not good at babysitting. I was not like, I just wasn't somebody that I thought was born to be a mom. Mm -hmm. And then it was after I experienced my first miscarriage that I was like, no, I really want this. And it changed everything in me. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that it's given me the patience in motherhood. Like I'm, I'm generally a very anxious and if I'm not in control, like I spiral Mm -hmm. and my fertility journey kind of taught me to slow down and accept that I'm not in control. Mm -hmm. Um, at first I wasn't accepting like during the journey, but you know, looking back, I can see where it taught me those lessons. Yeah. But it freaking sucks that I had to learn the lessons that way. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, none of us ever want to go through this ever. Um, but yeah, I mean, it does, it, it, it's given me like a level of gratitude and like appreciation that I don't think that I would have had otherwise. Um, not that I didn't have it with my daughter who did come like quote unquote pretty easily, but it was, and I tried to tell this to her too. Like, she's like, Sunny's like the star of your Instagram. Cause it's all about like your rainbow baby. And I'm like, but ever the reason I wanted Sunny was because you were so freaking amazing. Like, because it's because yeah. of you. it's because you were like, you made me love being a mom so much. So I try to like, exactly. let her know, which is true. I mean, she, um, like- if I could have five or six Camerons, I would totally do it in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah. I would need somebody to like fund my life and like really help me out. But, oh my but I would totally do it. And that's, that's so right. You know, that's, it's the first pregnancy that really I felt like made me want to be a mom, but it's Cameron that really shows me I, I am a good mom and that yeah. I'm worthy of this title and that I, really, you know, I have a lot to give. Mm-hmm. To yes. I don't know. <laughs> well, and I do want to go back for just a second and ask you about with your miscarriages. So they all happened naturally at different stages. Was there any one of the four that kind of stands out to you? Were they, you know, because like I said, my doctor told me that it was going to be a heavy period and mine was not. I do know that some people do experience miscarriage and it is for them a heavy period. And so I'm wondering kind of where you fall on that line in your miscarriages. I would, I would put myself in the, like, I guess, kind of lucky camp for lack of a better word in that I didn't have a lot of physical trauma. Um, it, not that it was like a, just a heavy period, but, um, I didn't ha- you know, not, like we said, I didn't have to take any of the drugs. I didn't have to have any DNCs. Um, everything kind of happened naturally, but I remember like being in bed for a few days with each of them but nothing, none of them stands out as like more physically hard than the others. Although one interesting story was that speaking of ever, my older daughter, who at the time was like, probably, I don't know, four, maybe when I had like one of the miscarriages and she was seeing a lot of ghosts in our house, um, which I totally believe. Cause I found out later that our um, building was built on a cemetery, like in poltergeist. Like there used to be a cemetery here or a church slash morgue. I'm not really sure, but I'm just saying you're talking to the right audience because I would move. If somebody told me a house was haunted, I'd be like, I will buy it. I want to move. Really? I love, I love haunted stuff. I just, oh yeah. Okay. Well, we'll have to talk about that separately. (laughs) 
Are you a murderino, by the way? Yes, I am. Okay. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Um, so anyway, she, um, I had had a miscarriage and ever was little, but she like came out of the bathroom. She didn't know. Cause we weren't talking about it loudly or anything like that. And she goes, mommy, why is there a baby girl in the toilet? And there was, oh, and I, wow. what? And I went, there was nothing. It wasn't like there was blood or anything. It was just a clear toilet. And she was like, I saw a baby girl in the toilet and she can't, she can't stay. She told me she can't stay. And I was like, oh my God, that's oh my like putting God. me in tears. That is the sweetest and saddest thing I've ever heard. Like, is she going to come back? And I was like, no, she's not. And she was like, well, and you oh know, but God. it was so, it was so legit. Like it, I really believed it. I, I really yeah. believed that she felt that energy or the soul or whatever it was. Like, it was kind of cool. Well, and you having, you know, your embryos tested where you have, you had more girls than you did boys. Like that yeah. makes it even more like, oh, that was probably a girl and yeah. she's, you know, she's connected and that's, that's really cool. Yeah. I yeah. I think, story. So I think so too. Well, you're going to have to really tell me more ghost stories and things like that because I'm obsessed with them. And I'm sure oh, that living in New York, like you have so many, cause there's so much history. Yeah. I have a bunch with ever in particular at that, at that stage. Well, let's talk later and I'll tell you all of them. Okay. Can't wait. <laughs> Maybe we can do it <laughs> offline. <laughs> well, um, Allie, thank you so much for sharing so openly. Um, I really loved getting to know your story a little bit more and talking to you. And I think it's really validating to hear stories where somebody's infertility, especially secondary infertility is caused by miscarriage. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't feel, I I talk to a lot of people who have recurrent pregnancy loss and they don't feel like they belong in the infertility community when miscarriage is the reason for their infertility. And I think that we need to validate that a little bit more for people. That way they, they do belong in both communities. You can belong to more than one place at one time. Um, And I, I just, I hear that a lot. And so I think it's so unique that your story, or it seems unique, but a lot of people go through it, that you, your story is infertility, secondary infertility, and a miscarriage journey all in one. And they all intertwine and cause each other. Right. And I feel like that's not really talked about. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're right. You know, there's that kind of gray area where, you know, women are like, we're always like diminishing our own pain or, you know, comparing and somebody, not me, but somebody said something about this isn't the pain Olympics, which I think is a great quote. Um, But it's like, of course you belong here. If you're grieving, if you had a loss, you know, a loss is a loss, even if it was the loss of an embryo and you never got pregnant, you know, I just interviewed a, a friend of mine who her embryos died during the thaw and that was as devastating to her as a miscarriage would have been because those were her future babies, you know, the loss of a dream, the loss of hope. I think loss is loss, no matter what this community is open for anybody. Um, You know, I don't think it does anybody any, any good to put parameters on like, you don't belong here. Like if you need help and as women, I think we should be more compassionate towards each other and like always be trying to lift each other up because it is so damn hard, no matter what you're going through. Totally. Totally. I agree. (laughs) Well, to close this out, why don't you share um, like all of your things? Cause you got a lot going on. So share all of your things, your podcast, fertility rally, just kind of 
what type of support you. you offer people. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, um, I do have a podcast it's called infertile AF. Um, I started it in March, 2019. So the hundred and what 13th episode just came out. It's every single week is a different person telling their story. Um, you know, and it's not just about infertility, although it is always about people that have had a hard time having babies. So sometimes it's same sex couples, you know, anybody that's used assisted reproductive technology, single parents by choice, um, stillbirth, you know, we talk about kind of everything. And my whole thing is just to try to keep it as diverse as possible. Cause you know, everybody has a story, right. And we want to make everybody, no matter what you're going through, you want to be able to connect and know that there's somebody out there that has at least gone through some of the things that you've gone through. So that's the podcast. And then fertility rally is the, um, community that I co-founded with Blair Nelson, who, you know, um, her handles fab fertility. And she and I met actually through our, our podcasts. Um, and we started this community because again, it was just the, the place that I wish that I had had when I was going through it. It's a non judgment zone. It's a, it's a place where you can come and we have support groups. We have content, we have curated events. We do fertility rally live twice a year, which is our big, um, kind of celebration of this community where we have speakers talking about tons of different things and breakout sessions. Um, so that's fertility rally. There's also a website. You don't have to be a member to come to the website. There's plenty of stuff on the website. If you don't want to join the community, which is fine. Um, and yeah, well, and it's super affordable. That's, I want to add that it is super affordable. Like I wish that I had that, um, whenever I was going through Thank you my fertility journey. That. Yeah. I mean, this is, it's so, it's so tricky, right? Cause this is one of those communities where people are paying out the ASS for treatment sometimes. So like money is an issue. So we, we, we wanted to make sure that it was affordable, you know, and I'll just say it's 1999 a month and you get eight support groups a month if you want them. Um, and all the content and events I was just talking about, um, or you, there's an annual fee that's, you know, cheaper if you want to go that route. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's not even about that. It's just about bringing people together that, you know, can, can support each other. And it's been beautiful. You know, we launched it mid pandemic, (laughs) um, but we have over 300 members now all over the world this week. We actually have a new member from Ireland, um, which is really cool. So, you know, it's, yeah, if anybody's interested, they can always reach out to me. Um, you can DM me on infertile AF stories on Instagram, or you can email me at the fertility rally at Gmail. And, um, yeah, we just, you know, the, the, the through line of everything is just to let people know they're not alone. Yeah, exactly. And I'll put links in the show notes, but that's kind of, you know, that's what I do too. It's like, I, I'm so, I don't want to add more to somebody's debt. <laughs> like that's the best way to put it right. because I, I have medical debt out the ass right now <laughs> and it's all for miscarriage and that yeah. sucks. And so yeah. I, um, so I, I know that I appreciate whenever I refer people to you, it's well, easy, you, you know, it's telling them that it's less than $20 a month. Yeah. Like, that's, you know, yeah. just we also have, like a couple of coffees at Starbucks. I know it is. <laughs> And I'll say here, I don't know when this episode's going to air, but we are coming out with a military discount too. So we're going to announce Ooh. that soon. So, you know, active military or veterans, um, we're going to give them, you know, our annual membership for 50% off. So 
That's awesome. We have a lot of military people already. So we're going to, and we're going to like retro give that to everybody. So I'm, I'm excited about that too. And that's great because their healthcare, like if we think our healthcare sucks, their healthcare is even worse. Mm -hmm. It's horrible. So I think that that's really awesome that you guys are doing that. Thank you. 